Hello. This is Anything Spooky Goes. Wait, are you going? Yes. I'm trying to eat my ice cream, bro. Yes. <laughs> Justin, I'm trying to eat my twisted dough, baby. Hello. This Hi. is a podcast. <laughs> Wait, are we really going? Yeah. Oh, Justin. 20 seconds now. <laughs> <clears throat> oh. So that's good for you. Great. Well, now I'm going to sound all creamy and it's going to be gross. <laughs> yep. Hi. Well, great. Uh, this is Ice Cream Hannah, and that's... Disaster. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mostly. Oh. Oh. Hi. How are you? I am. You am. Oh. I, you is. Great. There. Did you ever used to watch... Oh, what was that show? <laughs> Why does this always happen to me? I don't know. Okay, there was this dance show, and I'm pretty sure Mario Lopez... Uh, hosted it and it used to be on MTV or VH1 and it was like dance crew. Nope. And there was this really awesome. Okay, well, like Lil Mama was on there one time and there was this other guy and there was this there was this one group that won called I Am Me. Super good. They had a a fun little thumbprint thing. Anyway, feels irrelevant. You know what? I got some ice cream in me. I'm buzzing. Let's go. Really? Wait, what? How are you? <laughs> I'm ready to jump in is what I am. Okay. How are you? I'm hyper now. Great. Oops. Well, good thing you have to tell your story first. Yay. <laughs> you want to go? Yeah, I can go. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. We're just going to get into it then. All right. Fine with me. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. So I have a couple bites left of my ice cream, but I'm willing to let it melt completely until the end of my story. You prefer that. So it's not I hard do. for you. I like lukewarm water with no ice and soupy ice cream. Welcome to episode 19. Ah, uh, <laughs> That's our best intro. <laughs> um, okay. So before I begin, I'd yeah. like to do a super special listener shout out Ooh, okay. to CJ and Marcy who are listening in Seville. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say where they are but hi it's Oops. spain yeah. so pretty pretty far great um so i had a really wonderful conversation with my cousin marty M- your marty. cousin marty <laughs> my cousin marty great uh okay legal petition or let's start a petition to legally make marcy change her name to marty we should make a change.org i love it and not even tell her about no, it and then well, just like legal papers will show up now she knows oh but. don't listen to this one okay anyway sure. so last week marcy called me and i got to talk to her lovely partner cj and they were both really wonderful and marcy had a glitches in the matrix story that she wanted to share yes yes so here's the issue and justin with you marrying me soon and dating Mm -hmm. me for almost four years you should definitely know this great but um i'm a very forgetful person good so marcy told me two stories Mm -hmm. and i can only remember one great so I'm sorry, and I'm going to do my best to remember the one that I can remember. If we could possibly, moving forward, get any stories in writing. Yeah, don't. That would help the forgetfulness on at least half of this podcast hosts. Just don't trust me. This is Hannah speaking. Don't trust me with anything. Great. Especially valuable information. 
and listener submissions. So great. Marcy, I am sorry. And I will do my best to not butcher the one story that I remember that you told me. Great. So she uh, wanted to share this lovely story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I don't remember if I got permission from her to share the story, but good. here we are. Great. Oops. So Marcy and her lovely family, they live, um, well, growing up, she lived in this little town mm-hmm. uh, in in uh, rural Wisconsin. Yes. And she said that, um, and I think elementary and middle school, she went to elementary and middle school with these uh, with these two siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these siblings, they lived in this house that was um, only like down the street or so from the house that Marcy grew up in. I think I can see where this is going. Okay. So their house where where marcy's family or her parents currently live it's really in the middle of the country like they have neighbors uh next to them and across the street but otherwise it's kind of um it's a drive to get out there let's just say that can i make a prediction uh sure um the twins grew up Uh to be ursula and sabina erickson dude how did you know and they went and got hit by cars on the motorway justin you were brilliant. Wow. You truly are brilliant. Yep, nice. they were Swedish all along. Good. Great. Anyway, okay, the real story is is that um, these two siblings, so yeah, they live in a house with their family that was down by, by Marcy's house. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain age, they transferred schools to my school district, ah. which is blasphemous. Um, and I remember these people, so I know they're real. I Great. know they're real. So a couple summers ago, uh, Marcy was in a, in a running kick, and so she liked to go for runs down Ew. her. I know, <laughs> like to go for runs, um, pretty frequently down mm-hmm. her road because it's a long stretch, and she would always run past this these these people's house. So before Great. they moved, they sold the house, and she would just run past it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, one day. She ran past the house, and yeah. the house wasn't there. Whoa. And she's like, oh, that's weird. So she went back and talked to her younger brother, James. Okay. And her younger brother, James, is a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And James, and she said, James, this house isn't there. Yeah. And James was like, that's really weird. It was there. Right. So she went back, and she looked, and there were there was, like, no sign of construction. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think if you would, like, bulldoze a house or yeah. if it would be, if it burnt down. There would be There's signs remnants. of it, yeah. especially, you know, after after a big uh, deconstruction like that. You would you would just you would assume to find something. Yeah. And she couldn't find a single thing. She said that it looked like there was never anything there on the foundation at all. Weird. Yep. Then to make matters even funkier, she asked her mom and dad about the house mm-hmm. and um you know my family. Yeah. That all aside, her mom and dad do not know what Marcy and James are talking about. What? They don't know the house that they're talking about. How? Yep. It was close. Yep. They have no clue what she's talking about. Wow. And Marcy's like, I ran past that house almost every single day. I knew the yeah. family that used to live there. Right. And now it's not there. And her parents don't know what she's talking about. That's fine. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That's really horrible. Yep. So um, that is uh, really freaky. 
and yeah. I don't like it. And Marcy's a spooky person in general. So when she told me that, I was like, all right, great. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yep, pretty awful. It's kind of made me think about what happened to El Poblano. Yes. Down the street. But yes. not quite as severe because we saw it getting taken yeah. down. Yeah. But like that was a local favorite Mexican restaurant. Yes. And they had Dollar Taco Tuesdays. And Thursdays. And Thursdays. And they had amazing rice pudding. Yes. And Arroz it was really great. con leche. Yeah, it was very leche. good. Yes. See. Si. I'm very disappointed. Yeah. I'm really very sad. upset. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, Marcy, if you're listening to this on one of your nighttime walks and you want to let me know what your other story was again, <laughs> thanks. Good. So, yeah. If anybody else has a listener submission, please email us at anything spooky goes. Definitely. Or tell Justin. Just go yeah, ahead. May- maybe do that. Instead. Call him up. Don't tell me. No. Email email in. <laughs> we have an email. Anything spooky goes at gmail.com. Great. Sorry. Okay. All right. So, just wanted to start that off with... A little fun story. Great. Okay. So now I'm going to get into my actual episode. Is this story based on like the the requests? No, okay. unfortunately not. So okay. I want to apologize again to lovely Marcy and CJ. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. You asked me to look up for something in Spain and your girl has been in a mood this week. Great. <clears throat> Hannah. Uh, I'm just feeling feel a little down, feel a little, little, just sure. The opposite of of uh, spicy, you know. Yeah, just like, I'm just like you know in the Pokemon anime. Yes. When Ash is in a battle. Yes. And he turns his hat around. Yes. You are not feeling like that. No, I am not feeling that. Correct. That. Okay. I am feeling like SpongeBob when he went into Sandy's home for the first time Mm -hmm. and he said no i don't need water sure but he needed that okay ice cold water (laughs) that's what i feel like okay water that's and then all i feel like i'm also getting vibes of the episode like when gary's missing yes yeah oh 100 okay yes nice i got you yes real quick side note I did not realize how many times I would use SpongeBob references references mm-hmm. in my adult life. Mm-hmm. And truly, I could think of so many times where SpongeBob and Shrek have just come into my mind. They're absurdly relevant. Yep. Yeah. Like yesterday, we went into that wonderful game shop, yeah. Noble Night Games in, in Fitchburg, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and they were playing Accidentally Love by the Counting Crows. And I was like, <laughs> this is on the Shrek soundtrack. Yeah. I'm like, Hannah, you need to stop referring everything. <laughs> by how it's related to shrek it's worth it in the end you will be saved this is very true by our lord and savior shrek great great two yes all right so long story short didn't do spain because oh there's some nipples over there hi it's hot she's just dying over here i'm sweating so take hard. your whole shirt off don't just show me the nips you we, can't tease a girl like that. We can't stop this podcast. The recording is still going. <sighs> Dang. Oh, yep. Sorry. Have to wait. Lisa, I love you. Um, okay. So instead, because I was feeling down, I mm-hmm. decided to research something funny that would make me laugh. Okay. And the thing that can always make me laugh is farts. Good. So Fun. What I'm going to be talking about today are um, 
seven medicinal remedies that were used throughout history. No. Oh, my God. And what I want to do Mm -hmm. is I want to, in the fashion of one of our favorite YouTube shows, Good Mythical Morning, I want to, after every single one of the ones I read, they're short, Mm -hmm. I want to... You and I decide mm-hmm. if we should bring it back or not. I it's see. Whack. Okay. Yes. So that's definitely something we probably can't say. Probably not. So TMTM to GMM. Yes. Yes. We are referencing Good Mythical Morning. Yes. 100%. Not stealing their content. So instead, we should say, let's bring it back now, y'all. Also, <laughs> maybe can't say that. Dang it. So let's just say yay or nay, maybe. Yay or nay. Okay. That's fair use, right? Yeah, I hope. Probably not. Someone's okay. going to sue us. Yeah. Okay, so I got all of this from CBS News slash pictures slash 15 most bizarre medical treatments ever, but I'm only using seven of them. Okay, great. Yeah, so great. Sorry, had a burp. Okay, great. Um. again, I did this because I was sad and I was lazy and this made me laugh. I do want to mention that I am in no way trying to insult or make fun of any um, sacred or just in general cultural practices. Mm. These were just things that I thought were um, interesting, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily need to be funny. Great. Great. That is my disclaimer of I'm not trying to insult. Great. Okay. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Justin, number one. In ancient Egypt, yes, people who suffered from common ailment, ailments such as toothaches or earaches mm-hmm. found that mice were a very popular remedy to sort their problems. Okay. Toothaches were very common in Egyptians due to the prevalence of sand in their food. Um, Fair. Yep. You know, didn't have uh, screens, mm-hmm. didn't have window coverings mm-hmm. uh, as we do today, or air conditioner. But they did have pyramids. They did have so therefore better than 2020 you know how did they do it i don't know so brilliant yeah sand would get into almost everything Mm -hmm. makes sense and because of the grittiness of the sand consuming it would often wear down the enamel of the tooth covering which exposed the nerves and the blood vessels and just makes for all over sensitive teeth in a time where sensodyne was not around yeah Yeah. they really could have used that absolutely so, as an option to help remedy these tooth uh, tooth aches, um, Egyptian uh, medicine p- persons decided that dead mice were, and there's a word for that, I just can't think of what it is, so I'm saying Egyptian medicine persons. Okay, I mean, that's fair. That Okay. Medicinal people. Yes, thank you. They're not doctors back then. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Great. The dead mice... Nope. Uh, this is this is the this is the recipe, okay? Yeah, right. So dead mice uh, were mashed into a paste mm, and applied yeah. to the affected area. Nope. However, for severe toothaches, a dead mouse in whole would simply be uh, applied directly to the tooth. Um, applying rotten rash, excuse me, rotten rat tissue to an exposed nerve or blood vessel however, is a better way to turn a tiresome pain into a full-blown infection. Yep. Um, Agent Egyptians also assumed a toothache could be cured by um, making a dead mouse paste that was mixed with other herbs and ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, while in certain parts of England, half a dead mouse was used to treat warts. Okay. Uh, uh, this is kind of going off a little bit. 
great. Uh, ancient Romans and afflu- affluent Roman families had slaves that would clean their mouths using small sticks of wood and tooth powder. The powder would be uh, a mixture of burned eggshells, bay leaves, and myrrh. These powders could also include more uh, unusual ingredients, such as the burned heads of mice, again, and the liver of a lizard. Okay. Earthworms marinated in vinegar were also used for mouthwash, and mm. urine was thought as thought of as a gum strengthener. Okay. Okay. I mean, not all bad. No. Actually. Yeah. So surprisingly, number one is an all-encompassing option for mouth aches and freshener with the the mouth and the teeth. Sure. I yes. don't think that anything to do with the dead mice, mm. rats. Mm-hmm. Or the lizard liver okay. would be helpful. What about earthworms? Sure. Why? Vinegar? Uh, I mean, yeah. Earthworms and vinegar. Fine. Great. Yeah. That makes sense. Nutritious. Mm-hmm. And people use vinegar to clean stuff nowadays. Exactly. So, like, I can see that. Okay. How do you feel about the uh, the powder that is eggshells, bay leaves, and myrrh? Not opposed. Okay. Uh, it sounds very... Uh, reminiscent of people who take healing into their own hands yes. nowadays. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't do anything. Great. So I'd say no, but like you're free to do as you please. Mm-hmm. So we could bring that back. Okay. Okay. That and the vinegar. <clears throat> yeah. Probably. I mean, maybe we just have dentists for that reason. That would be cool. Yep. But. Also, maybe just, like, wash your food. Especially in 2020, sure. In ancient Egypt. Oh, yeah, that too. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My biggest thing is that I personally have never put a dead mouse either inside me or on me. Like a full one. Yeah. Exactly. So I I can't say that this would work or that I would enjoy it. Um, I also don't have any current warts, so I couldn't right. put half a dead mouse on a exactly, wart. Yeah. But I mean, I could, I, I could see it working. No. Sure. Okay. Great. Nope. Uh, it's, it's infection. You even said that, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> wow! let that one sit. Great. <clears throat> All right. So, so we're like half and half for the first one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for number two? Yep. So this one is sort of mouth related. But it has to do with stuttering. Okay. Great. Not not really a problem to be fixed. No, really not. Generally. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back in the day, mm-hmm. according to <clears throat> this website, CBS News, uh, stuttering, because people don't know what else to call things that are different yep. in other people besides witchcraft. Right. People thought that individuals who stuttered mm-hmm. might have something wrong with them, with their aura, or that they were the demon themselves. Great. 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 So, doctors in the 18th and 19th and earlier centuries, that just they had a lot of uh, medical information from the 18th and 19th centuries, often, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Cut off half of the tongue of a stutterer in order yep. to attempt to help them um this is an operation called um, give me a second let me see if i can actually uh read this word of course 
It's a long word. Okay. It is. Um, okay. Okay. Give me one second. Of course. You're, you're good. Uh, it's, um, it's actually not in my notes. So we're going to have to, um, oh. tongue. Okay. Tongue removal. Okay. Great. I'm really sorry. Tongue removal. It's good. I understand this is a very. It starts with an H. It's a touchy topic. Truly. You know, I thought I had it. Tongue removal surgery. Here we go. Okay. Glossectomy. There we go. Does not start with an H. It's Close. called glossectomy. Or if half of your tongue is removed, a hemiglossectomy. So that was the H one. That was the H one. Sorry, Hemi everyone. Hemiglossectomy. Sense. Yes. So. If you were a stutter at this, um, the surgery, which is actually still performed today to assist with Way. oral cancer. Oh, okay. That's a little different. Yep. Yep. So hy uh, hemi or complete glossectomy is still a current practice, but back in the day, it was uh, seen as an, an option for helping people with stutters. Um, at the same time, reconstructive surgery was said to be have excuse me was said to be performed to um assist with uh, like normal appearance mm -hmm. and speech mm -hmm. um and a uh a big thing has changed in the another big thing i'm sorry words are really just hard for me right now anyway yep if you were a stutterer do you think you should get your tongue cut off um, i'm just legitimately just losing brain function i feel that so this is the hard part. This yes. is where I'm caught up. Which way is it cut? I'll tell you. Okay. So if you have if you have a hemi, mm -hmm. it's hip. Okay. It's usually the tip of your tongue. Sure. Yep. However, <clears throat> back in the day, they would just slice you right down the, the middle. Okay. But now if you need like a glycectomy or a hemiglycectomy because of oral cancer, mm -hmm. it's the infected bit they take out the piece yes yeah exactly and then can do reconstructive oral surgery to help you so okay so i feel that back in the day mm -hmm. as you say none of that is helpful great it makes it harder to speak it, truly yes also as a little bit of a follow-up slash side note i really wish that they had been able to partake in the enjoyment of the King's Speech exactly. movie. Yes. I really feel that that would have helped people understand yes. better what stammer stammerers go through. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let alone everyone deserves Colin Firth in their life. Right. And exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that people choose to do. Yep. You know, and there's therapy for a reason yes don't just cut things off unless you have a license to do so so um i'm a hard no on that one okay great yeah. good 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 hannah just needs to take a breather okay I'm the next sorry. thing <laughs> i'm going to talk about is a pessary pessary have you heard of pessaries before probably butchering that mm, nope Justin, I'm going to tell you what a pessary is. Okay. Okay. A pessary 
Carpasseri mm-hmm. is a soft, flexible device that is placed in the vagina to help support the bladder, vag- vagina, Hannah, vagina, okay. the bladder, vagina, uterus, and or rectum. Well, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So okay. It's placed inside the vagina. Yes. To support the rectum. Well, or it can be placed inside the rectum. Oh, okay. I yes. S- that, okay. Yes. So if it's placed inside the vagina, it can be used to help support the bladder. And it just connects on both ends. You just do both. It's, it's, it's a single piece, like the, um, like the Apple dongles that you have to use now when you want to use the headphone jack, and but you can't. Uh huh. Because Apple got rid of it. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Um, no. Have you ever taken an anatomy class? Huh. Great. Because pee is stored in the balls. Truly. Great. Uh, pessaries are made in many different shapes and sizes. Um, and in current times, a pessary is a non-surgical way to treat pelvic organ prolapse and sometimes incontinence. Okay. Uh, however, here, let's go back to the ancient mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is how we do it. Pessaries, mm-hmm. back in ancient Egypt, were a contraceptive of choice and were made out of crocodile dung. Ah. Uh, Okay. Dried dung was inserted into the vagina. The idea that it would soften as it reached the body temperature to form an impenetrable barrier. Okay. Other contraceptive pessaries used back in the day included tree sap, no, lemon halves, cotton, wool, sea sponges, and elephant dung. I like that two out of five was dung. Yes. Um, Or six, whatever you say. Mm -hmm. Also, lemon half. Yes. That, I, that's pretty good, actually. I mean, depends on which way you're putting it up, but sure. It will drastically change the pH. Oh, very much so. So that's probably not great. Probably not. No. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. My biggest worry is that especially if it was used as a contraceptive of um when an individual menstruates mm-hmm. and you're putting something up there mm-hmm. to try and clog it right you know how did they did they instill um retractable measures to the dung you know like yeah. was there an option for an individual to take said pessary out mm-hmm. you know Right. Um, So it seems like feminine products, is that, is that an appropriate term or no? Um, I think just to be more inclusive, uh, the world is, is, is turning more towards saying menstrual products instead of feminine products great um which you know do you but yeah menstrual products okay understandable um i feel like menstrual products in this day and age are still just as inappropriately priced and probably devised as they were in ancient egypt oh absolutely because they specific ones you don't even need yeah because it's a waste yes because it's it's 
cleanses naturally. Just don't, don't douche, <laughs> folks and friends. Just don't. But legitimately, like, why, why is that a thing that you have to deal with? Yeah. Anyone in the position of menstruation, mm-hmm. why do you have to? Why? Yeah. Why? It's just frustrating, and not to, to get into good, a whole rant, but to quote the good reverend, why? Why? Yeah, it's just frustrating that you can you can easily purchase a can dam, but it's harder right. to purchase birth control and or menstrual products. The fact that you have to purchase it at all. Yes. Yeah. Fun times. Great. So, so I'm saying nah. elephant dung. Wh- Oh, Um, great. Great. Probably not. Great. Good. Okay. Understandable. Good. All right. So now, Justin, we're going to go from the front hole to the back hole. No. Great. (laughs) No. The next one is we're going to talk about clysters. That sounds so much worse. Well, Justin, have you ever heard of a clyster? Have you ever had a clyster? I have heard of a Pokemon named Cloyster. Really close. Really? Yes. Surprising. I think that you have had probably quite a few clysters in your life. I have a morning clyster with my cup of coffee. Oh. Great. So clysters. Enema? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Clysters are a archaic word for enema. No. And have been used, have been thought to have been used no. uh, since ancient times. Horrible. They were part- <laughs> they were particularly particularly fashionable through the 17th and 18th and 19th centuries. Um, which wealthy people used to treat constipation, uh, oh. as well as a variety of other complaints for truly, they, they are useless. Yeah. So a typical clyster okay. might contain warm water mixed with salt, baking soda, or soap. Some, par- mm. yep, some particular doctors af- uh, added coffee, bran, like fiber, yep, yep. honey, or chamomile to the mix. You know, make it more pleasant. Absolutely. I can respect that. Exactly. And half of that actually works. Yes. So. Yeah. Fun times. Good. Yep. In holy society, enemas became enormously popular <laughs> with aristocratic hypochondriacs taking several oh. scented enemas a day. No, that's so bad for you. Justin, I need you to meet your hero. Oh, really? I'm going to tell you about your hero right now, okay? Ooh. Honestly, he was probably a complete douche. I don't know anything about history, but I'm just assuming he's a douche. Great. Sorry if he's not. Fair. Louis the... Uh, what is XIV? 14th? Mm-hmm. Louis the 14th of France is said to have had, in his lifetime, more than 2,000 enemas performed on him. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is not a self-applicator. No. Great. Of course, the very elite of France were not satisfied with using common water for peasants mm-hmm. for this delicate operation. They used Voss water instead. <laughs> yes. Instead, the fluids, Voss water, were perfumed with yeah. rose, orange, and angelica, whatever the hell that is, and were even slightly colored per request of the specific user. Wow. Louis XIV's father and predecessor, Louis XIII, had been so fond of enemas, um, and he preferred his with almond milk. Ah, uh, <laughs> during because of his lactose intolerance. Absolutely, you yeah. can't shoot it up if it's just going to yep. come right back down. Great. During one year of Louis the Thirteenth's life, he had two hundred and twelve enemas performed. That is also Woof. almost one a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. 
Um, this is another fun little thing about how common and frequent people in high society use them. Mm-hmm. Um, during a court ball, so a dance, mm-hmm. the Duchess of the Bourgogne okay. shirt uh, was engaged in a conversation with Louis XIV himself when a maid of hers snuck under her dress and performed an enema right there on the spot no on the dance floor no yep it's documented what people did this all the time that's horrifying Uh uh-huh especially if you had an option to to easily sneak away um the king was said to have had uh set as royalty does have numerous like big dinners Mm -hmm. and he would excuse himself in the middle of conversation in the middle of dinner to go have an enema and then come back oh yep because i was like well why keep the poop inside of you it's unclean take it out baby no to you end, can't force that i know it, it has to just be natural it has to slip yeah. and slide right no. out okay um to end this i want to show you uh the first picture no. that came up with uh clyster no it's this lovely picture <laughs> <laughs> What a stock photo. Oh, God. That man is terrified. I want to be both of these people. Right. I Truly. So. Woof. Yeah. We have two. We're, I'm going to presume just because why not? It, two two men. Mm-hmm. We have a, a bald man in the back who's wearing a doctor's outfit and is putting on a nice latex glove. While grinning maniacally. And about to snap that big boy. Yeah. And we have one worried patient. Who knows that a Kleister is coming his way? Great. So, what do you think? Should we bring back uh, public enemas? No. You don't. You don't want to have an emina. An emina. No. You don't want to have an enema? No, I don't. Then your job interview. No. Nope. Uh, let's see. Where else could we have a really nice one? Oh, work while working out. <sighs> Not appropriate timing. Um. No. Nope. Oh, at our wedding. No. That'd be good. Nope. Out of our friends. Definitely not. Great. Okay, I only have a couple more. Great. Uh, Justin, did you know that meth was a key strategy to the Nazis during World War II? Uh, not specifically, no. Well, according to Peter Andreas from Time Magazine, Great. this is how methamphetamine became a key part of the Nazi military strategy during World War II. Okay, very specific. <clears throat> All right, so this is something that is really... Uh, um, debated through historians mm-hmm. about how truly two things about how big of a drug addict first of all Hitler was mm-hmm. and how much drugs were used in brainwashing techniques for not only soldiers but also for civilians of Germany and the surrounding areas okay. um, but also as um, think of like really bad Captain America esque so, uh. so what Captain went through to mm-hmm. become big and mighty yep that's kind of what they were hoping the germans were hoping to do with drugs great sounds great. good um so it, this is this part is complete truth uh hitler had some pretty bad gi symptoms so gastrointestinal mm-hmm. um and it, by 1945 his gi symptoms and tremors worsened um eventually leaving him unable to move around completely on his own wow. um in treating these symptoms over the years, so pretty much once he became chancellor and like had the power to basically have anything happen to him mm-hmm. and 
for him by his disposal. He had a doctor named Dr. Morell who would pretty frequently prescribe Hitler a cocktail of medications that included opiates such as uh, morphine and oxycodone. He would have cocktails of barbiturates, cocaine, amphetamines, and bromides mm. all mixed together that mm. he was taking pretty frequently. Great. Um, this is a quote from one historian that said, um, Hitler abused amphetamines, particularly between 1939 and 43, mm-hmm. and was temporarily impaired and uh, said to have basically gone crazy because of his abuse. Cool. If that World sounds about crazy. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, while other drugs were banned or discouraged, methamphetamine was touted as a miracle product when it appeared in the market in the late 1930s in Europe. Um, the little pill was the perfect Nazi drug, according to this article. Uh, Germany awake as what the Nazis commanded it as. Great. Energizing and confidence boosting, methamphetamine played into the Third Reich's obsession with physical and mental superiority. Mm. Um, so it was said that in sharp contrast to drugs such as heroin and alcohol, methamphetamines were not about escape, escapist pleasure, but instead were about heightening to getting you to that heightened sense of like your best potential okay so basically they thought meth was an upper and not a downer yeah if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um uh so this is a quote from hitler saying that we don't need weak people we only want the strong uh according to him weak people took drugs such as opium to escape and strong people took methamphetamine to feel even stronger great on top of everything, between April and July 1940, German servicemen received more than 35 me- million methamphetamine tablets and were dispersed to the soldiers. The drug was even dispensed to pilots and tank crews in the form of chocolate bars no. known as Flieger's Schokolade, uh, Flyer's Chocolate, and no. Panzer's Chocolade, which is Tanker's Chocolate. So what do you think? Should we put meth in chocolate again? Definitely not. Why not? Breaking Bad. You're just gonna die. I mean, just don't don't do drugs, friends. Yep. Great. Okay, I have two more, and then I'm done. I promise. This one's super short. Seventeenth uh, century medicine um, was a pretty wacky time. Yeah. And one such wacky uh, invention came from Sir Kenelm Digby, which was called the power powder. Excuse me, powder of sympathy. Mm-hmm. This powder was intended for, as a treatment for one specific injury, rapier wounds. Wow. Okay. So if you were cut yep. by a rapier, it couldn't be any other kind of, of not a cutlass, metal not sword. A no, no, it had to be a rapier wound. Okay. Um, this powder was made of earthworms, pig's brains, iron oxide, which is mm. just rust, mm-hmm. and bits of mummified corpses, mm. then ground into a powder. The powder, however, was not applied to the wound itself, but to the offending weapon. Why? So, Sir Digsby, uh, Dig- Digby thought that the strange concoction would somehow encourage the wound itself to heal no. via a process called sympathetic magic. No. Oh, okay. Yep. That'll do it. Yep. yep. So, what happened was is you, you put the powder on the sword, mm-hmm. then you attack someone and but like why not even uh, yeah why even attack them the wound is just like whoa that sword has uh-huh. the powder on it mm-hmm. all right let's 
get healing. Exactly. Guys. So should we should we bring back Earthworm Pig Brain's rust and mummified corpses into a powder and put it on weapons? I see no harm save for the mummified corpses. Yeah, don't do that. And maybe pig brain. Yes. So probably not. So just earthworms and rust. Yep. You get like a little sympathy. Yeah. Not a, not the full it sympathy. It won't go full heal. But yeah. It'll do a little. Yeah. Okay. I like it. All right. Last but not least, the creme de la creme. Great. The fart jars. No. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> All right. So I talked about this in like one of our first episodes. Yeah. When a mysterious illness known as the Black Plague. Uh, was busy killing significant percentages of the world's population. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are things are bound to happen. People get desperate. They need to find cures Great. now. In the 1600s, some doctors recommended that their patient fart into jars <laughs> uh, in order to help treat exposure to the bubonic plague. Okay. So they're very suspect logic when something like this. So the Great Plague of London which, as, as we know, devastated the city between 60, 1665 and 1666, mm-hmm. was believed to be a miasma or a deadly air vapor spread through breathing in the atmosphere. Wow. So, so timely. Mm-hmm. Doctors felt that if a patient could somehow dilute the polluted air with something equally potent, it might help reduce the chances of contracting the illness. So they advised their patients to have at all times, mm-hmm. on their person, right. a jar of farts. Good. Uh, they recommended to have some kind of putrid stench on standby, so some homeowners retained a goat. Yep, and would just let it stink up the place. Mm-hmm. So instead of pooping outside, they would have it poop inside. Fun. Yep. Others took to the practice of farting into jars and quickly sealing it. Then would rush to inhale their own stench <laughs> when they suspected that they may have been exposed to the deadly germs. Okay, I mean, hey, you can't, you know, it's not technically broken. No. So, like, there's no need to change it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could easily say that that could have an effect. Absolutely. On Amazon, today, mm-hmm. you yep. can buy jars of farts. No. So, I'm just saying, if... If you don't want to fart in your own jar, there's other jars of fart. And there have been some scientific research studies that say that farts increase your happiness. Yep. Um, Justin, I think both you and I find farts funny. So maybe mm-hmm. farts curing diseases is not so far off. Laughter is the best medicine. Uh, Unless it's a rapier wound. <laughs> um. That feels so wrong. Yeah. But so right. Absolutely. You know that Jar of Hearts song by Christina Perry? I could easily change that to Jar of Farts. Anybody talented out there? You want to make a song with me called Jar of Farts? Yeah. I'm down. Contact me at anything spooky goes <laughs> Just what we needed. <laughs> well, that was my trash uh, pile of an episode. So Legitimately old medicine is terrifying yep and you have that really awesome book that we have in the bathroom above our toilet yeah the, um what is it called i don't remember it's it's like the weirdest ways to cure everything basically yeah there's just a specific word for it that i cannot think of right now yeah yeah so uh research 
things before you Just put them in your body. Please and listen to science. Yep. Please listen to science. And if all else fails, just go ahead and, and start sealing your farts mm-hmm. because it's it's funny. Yeah. And I'm sure if you fart into a jar, it would make a really funny echo. Probably. Great. I'm done. Great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So today, for you, I have a stupidly scientific episode. Great. So I apologize to anyone who doesn't care about science, <laughs> but you're wrong. Oh my also, God. I hope this isn't boring or difficult to listen to because there's a lot of big words. And you sometimes. know what? Even if it is, just put on a happy face, eat some ice cream or some lactose-free ice cream. And just listen anyway. I think this is absolutely fascinating. I'm in. And really terrifying. Okay, great. I'm so down. So, I will be explaining and discussing a phenomenon known as fast radio bursts. Excuse me? Otherwise known as FRBs. Oh. I got all my information from Wikipedia. Great. NASA. Excuse and me? SciShow on Excuse YouTube. Me? Dude! <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah! Yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty good. Uh-huh. So I actually have a picture right away to show you of what a fast radio burst looks like. I'm scared. It's not really that interesting to look at because there's not a whole lot to get from it. It looks like crackles. Mm-hmm. It looks like... The line is what you're really looking for there. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Yeah, it just looks like when you put a VHS in and it's not ready to right. go yet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you about these FRBs. Okay. Fast radio bursts are bright, unresolved, broadband, um, which means that they span a large range of radio frequencies. Okay. Um, millisecond flashes found in parts of the sky. Unlike many radio sources, the signal from a burst is detected in a short period of time with enough strength to stand out from the noise floor, which in signal theory, the noise floor is the measure of the signal created from the sum of all the noise sources and unwanted signals within a measurement system. Okay. Where noise is defined as any signal other than the one being monitored. Sure. So it stands out drastically from everything else around it. Basically. Okay. That makes sense. Um. The burst usually appears as a single spike of energy without any change in its strength over time. The bursts last for several milliseconds, which is thousands of a second. The bursts come from all over the sky and are not concentrated on the plane of the Milky Way. What? Known FRB locations are biased by the parts of the sky that the observatories can image. Of course. Sure. Many have radio frequencies detected around 1,400 megahertz. Um, A few have been detected at lower frequencies in the range of 400 to 800 megahertz. The component frequencies of each burst are delayed by different amounts of time depending on their wavelength. Um, So radio wavelength is... There's a lot of complex ideas here, but just (laughs) note, you know, radio waves. Yes, yes, okay. It's just dependent on their wavelength. Yes, Um, While extremely energetic at their source, the strength of the signal reaching Earth has been described as 1,000 times less 
than from a mobile phone on the moon. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, surprisingly weak. Yeah. When they reach Earth. Okay. But still able to be detected. Mm -hmm. Okay. When the FRBs are polarized, it indicates that they are emitted from a source contained within an extremely powerful magnetic field. Mm. So, it's a lot of jargon in there. From someone who barely passed all of her science classes, I'm still on board. Great. So you're doing a great job. Good. Yeah. So I'm going to start off with some uh, detection. Great. The first fast radio burst to be described was known as the Lorimer burst, FRB 010724. Okay. Uh, was detected in 2007 in archived data recorded by the Parks Observatory in Eastern Australia on the July 24th, 2001. Since then, most known FRBs have been found in previously recorded data. So they don't happen like live. Sure. They're found after the fact, after they've been recorded. Interesting. On January 19th, 2015, astronomers at Australia's National Science Agency reported that a fast radio burst had been observed for the first time live by the Parks Observatory. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So... Now I'm going to talk a little bit about like where these things are measured and like how. Okay. So interferometry is a family of techniques in which waves, usually electromagnetic waves, are superimposed, causing the phenomenon of interference, which is used to extract information. Okay. So basically they will, they have a wave that is just going constantly yeah and whenever something whenever another wave is superimposed on it or interrupts it that is where they get the information from okay from the wave that's coming in they're trying to measure sure so they have like a constant and then whenever something interrupts it that's where they get their information of the new wave okay makes sense um the interferometer utmost has put a lower limit of 10,000 kilometers for the distance to the FRBs it has detected, supporting the case for an astronomical rather than terrestrial origin because signal sources on Earth are ruled out as being closer than this limit. This limit can be determined from the fact that closer sources would have a curved wave front that could be detected by the multiple antennas of the interferometer Mm. like more early or earlier. Okay. Fast radio bursts have pulse dispersion measurements that are much larger than expected for a source inside the Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. Consequently, they are thought to be of extragalactic origin. So basically, they come from somewhere outside of our galaxy. Ew. To some, um, in radio astronomy, a fast radio burst, FRB, is an impermanent radio pulse of length ranging from a fraction of a millisecond to a few milliseconds caused by some high-energy astrophysical process that is not yet understood. You said so many big words in that sentence that I am just amazed. Mm -hmm. So these are radio pulses coming from somewhere by something that scientists cannot explain. (sighs) And it is outside of our galaxy. Um, many things that you just said in that statement make me incredibly uncomfortable. First uh-huh. of all, starting with science. Yep. Great. Scar- terrifies me. Great. Um, things that scientists can't explain. 
equally as terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of our galaxy. Top it all off. Yep. Great. Great. Fine. <laughs> so I apologize again if this is a long episode, but I have a lot of stuff to get through. You know what, Justin? Somewhere out there, there is a listener who is like, yes, this is my episode. I have been waiting for this. Yeah. So don't you apologize. Okay. Okay. So uh, really quick before I get into all the all the FRBs that have been detected, fast radio bursts are named by the date the signal was recorded okay. as FRB year, month, day. Okay. So as in the example I gave originally, mm-hmm. the 2000, from 2007 was the Lorimer burst. Okay. The first FRB detected, the Lorimer burst, FRB, 0-1-0-7-24 was discovered in 2007 when Duncan Lorimer assigned his student David Narkovic to look through archival data taken in 2001 oh. by the Parks Radio Dish in Australia. Analysis of the survey data found a dispersed burst which occurred on 24th of July 2001. Okay. That's where the name comes from. Gotcha. It's when it was detected. Okay. Makes sense. Um, this burst was less than five milliseconds in duration, located three degrees from the small Magellanic cloud. You want to look at the picture, the next picture, the small Magellanic cloud or SMC or Nubecula minor is a dwarf galaxy near the Milky Way. Oh, hello, beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's what it looks like. That's a really close one to us. That's beautiful. Oh, space is something else, dude. So that's where the first one came from. Dang. Yep. Okay. Uh, the reported burst properties argue against a physical association with the Milky Way galaxy or the small Magellanic cloud. So it came from three degrees from that galaxy. Oh. Or the cloud, I guess. Okay. Um, the burst became known as the Lorimer burst. The fact that no further bursts were seen in 90 hours of additional observations implies that it was a singular event, such as a supernova, which is a powerful and luminous stellar explosion. Uh, This astronomical event occurs during the last evolutionary stages of a massive star or when a white dwarf is triggered into a runaway nuclear fusion. So what you're saying is, Mm -hmm. is that we have documented proof of that happening within our lifetime. And... Not necessarily within our life. Oh, I suppose because it it, it, it I can't even imagine how it yeah, takes. light speed it travels. Sure. Um, but we have evidence that it is a thing that occurs. Oh my gosh! And we've seen what it can do. Yeah. We can see how strong the energy is because we can measure it. Yeah. Um. Jeez. So it was thought to be either this or a merger of relativistic objects like. Mm two things colliding okay same size kind of deal it is suggested that hundreds of similar events could occur every day and if detected could serve as cosmological probes yeah so that was the first one okay pretty important so 2007 but it happened in 2001 yes okay gotcha yeah well yes it was reported yep. okay okay it occurred in 2001 but it was uh, measured it was understood in 2007 gotcha in Australia. Yep. Okay. So now I'm moving to 2010. Okay. In 2010, there was a report of 16 similar pulses, clearly of terrestrial origin, detected by the Parkes Radio Telescope and given the name Paratons. 
They are named after the Paraton, a mythical creature by novelist <gasps> Jorge Luis Borges. Oh. I have a picture of that, too. <gasps> oh, my God. This is so cool. Isn't that sweet? It's just like a uh, an elk hawk. Yeah. With, like, weird teeth. That's so cool. Yeah. Like a wolf elk hawk. Yes. Um, in twenty five, in twenty fifteen, paratons were shown to be generated when microwave oven doors were opened during a heating cycle, with detected emission being generated by the microwave oven's magneton tube, magnetron tube as it was being powered off. So that's where those were, those FRBs came from, microwaves. Okay. On Earth, probably. Great. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, in twenty eleven, um. Oh, this is from 2011. Okay. So in 2015, FRB 110523 mm. was discovered in archival data collected in 2011 from the Green Bank Telescope in Green Bank, West Virginia. Mm. It was the first FRB for which linear polarization was detected, which allowed a measurement of Faraday rotation, which is an interaction between light and a magnetic field. Okay. Uh, basically, it has given researchers a more in-depth understanding of these phenomena. That's pretty much the important thing you need to sure. know. Um, measurement of the signal's dispersion delay suggested that this burst was of extragalactic origin, possibly up to 6 billion light years away. I, I can't even understand how far that is. How old is the Earth? It's pretty old. Let me just quick look this up. I know there's uh there's a couple billion people on the on the planet. Um Earth is four point five four three billion years old. Great. So whatever this noise was <laughs> came from before the Earth was even oh. created. Oh. Before mommy and daddy planet had a little baby planet named Earth. I just, Which is not even close to true, but we'll. we'll I like it. I like it though. Yep. <sighs> that's that's old and far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2012, Victoria Caspi of McGill University in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, mm -hmm. estimated that as many as 10,000 fast radio bursts may occur per day over the entire sky. Okay. Yeah. Some of them just may not be quite so noticeable. Sure. In November of 2015, astronomer Paul Schultz at McGill University in Canada found 10 non-periodically repeated fast radio pulses in archival data gathered in May and June of 2015 by the Arecibo Radio Telescope. The 10 bursts have dispersion measures and sky positions consistent with the original burst FRB 121102, uh, which was detected in 2012. Okay. Like the 2012 burst, the 10 bursts have a plasma dispersion measure that is three times larger than possible for a source in the Milky Way galaxy. Again, the team thinks that this finding rules out self-destructive cataclysmic events that could only occur once, mm -hmm. such as the collision between two neutron stars. Um, according to the scientists, the data support an origin in a young rotating neutron star, or pulsar, which I have another picture of. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, that's super pretty too. So you can see like the two diagonal sides. Yeah. That's what's being thrown out of them as it's rotating. Oh my gosh. Um, or in a highly magnetized neutron star known as a magnetar, which oh my God. also have. Dude. 
or from highly magnetized pulsars traveling through asteroid belts or from an intermittent rock lobe overflow. And the rock lobe is referring to the area in which things are gravitationally bound to a medium okay. in space in a neutron star white dwarf binary. So Jeez. that is what the next picture is. That's oh, the binary. Lord. So it's like what we have with the moon, except okay. with like stars. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Uh. So it's like one star and the other star, like they kind of revolve. Dang. Okay. Um, on December 16th, 2016, six new FRBs were reported in the same direction. One having been received on November 13th, four on November 19th, and one on December 8th. As of January 2019, this is one of only two instances in which these signals have been found twice in the same location in space. FRB 121102 is located at least 1150 AU. That's astronomical unit. It's a <laughs> unit of length, roughly the distance from the Earth to the sun. Oh. Equal to about 150 million kilometers. So that's how far it was away from Earth. Um, excluding the possibility of a human-made source. Okay. And is almost certainly extragalactic in nature. As of April 2018, FRB 121102 is thought to be co-located in a dwarf galaxy about 3 billion light years from Earth with a low luminosity active galactic nucleus or a previously unknown type of extragalactic source that may have no idea what it could be oh my God. or a young neutron star energizing a supernova remnant. So a supernova after it's exploded. <gasps> could you imagine if that's what it is? Ugh. So now I have two pictures of uh, what those look like. <gasps> Yes, please. Okay, this is like the pretty space pictures. Yep. I'm so, I sound like a child. They're really cool. They're beautiful. Um, it looks like, honestly, like something is ripping a hole in space. Mm -hmm. That's what these look like to me. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening to everything around it, too. God. Um, on August 26, 2017, astronomers using data from the Green Bank Telescope detected 15 additional repeating FRBs mm. coming from FRB 121102 at 5 to 8 gigahertz. The researchers also noted that FRB 121102 is presently in a heightened activity state and follow-on observations are encouraged, particularly at higher radio frequencies. So this thing is, like, actively going. Yeah. Um, the waves are highly polarized, meaning twisting transverse waves that could only have formed when passing through hot plasma with an extremely strong magnetic field. So potentially like an, an actual star. Sure. Um, FRB 121102's radio bursts are about 500 times more polarized than those from any other FRB to date. Since it is a repeating FRB source, it suggests that it does not come from some one-time cataclysmic event. So one hypothesis, first advanced in January 2018, proposes that these particular repeating bursts may come from a dense stellar core called a neutron star near an extremely powerful magnetic field, such as one near a massive black hole okay. or one embedded in a nebula, which <gasps> I have another picture of, Oh. which is an interstellar cloud <gasps> of dust, hydrogen, helium, and other ionized gases. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, my brain. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's a lot of information. Don't. I love this. Uh, okay. 
In April 2018, it was reported that FRB 121102 consisted of 21 bursts spanning one hour. What? In September 2018, an additional 72 bursts spanning five hours had been detected using a convolutional neural network, which in big terms, in deep learning, a convolutional neural network is a class of deep neural networks, which is like AI learning. Okay. Um, Sure. Most commonly applied to analyzing visual imagery. Mm. So they were analyzing, I guess, pictures, sort of. Okay. Um, So that's how it was detected. Um, In September 2019, more repeating signals, 20 pulses on September 3rd, were reported to have been detected from FRB 121102 Mm. um, by the 500-meter Aperture Spherical Telescope in Pingtang County, China. Nice. Yeah. In June 2020, astronomers from Zhodrel Bank Observatory reported that FRB 121102 exhibits the same radio burst behavior, uh, which is radio bursts observed in a window lasting approximately 90 days, followed by a silent period of 67 days. Mm. This happens every 157 days. So when you combine them, sure. every 157 days this happens, suggesting that the burst may be associated with the orbital motion of a massive star, a neutron star, or a black hole. Okay. I'm not trying to ruin anything, mm-hmm. but can I can I ask a question? Yep. So what I find very interesting is that Keeping, keeping aware that I know that technology has drastically changed and improved mm-hmm. um, in the last 19 years, since 2001. Yep. Do you think, however, that these FRBs are, because of technology, are we seeing more of them that we couldn't before? Or do you think that they are increasing and therefore, we just we have the technology to finally realize them. Does that make sense? Um, politically, Great. I would say that as you test more for coronavirus, you will find more cases of coronavirus. I see. Uh, just to be able to relate to all the people out there. I see, I see. Um, so... Once the first one was found, mm. I think that technology advanced in a way to be able to find more. Okay. And therefore, we just have. Mm. I think they've been going on probably for a long time. Yeah. But I think we finally found ways to capture it more efficiently. Absolutely. Yeah. And label it. Right. Too. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Gosh, it's fascinating. Well, we're getting a little bit closer to present day. Okay. Yeah. We have some June 2020 stuff. Well, that was just when they... I see. Yeah, sorry. We're still in 2013 when things are being uh, detected. Ah, okay. In 2013, four bursts were identified that supported the likelihood of extragalactic sources again. 2014, FRB 140514 was caught live mm-hmm. and was found to be 21% circularly polarized, just meaning that its direction rotates at a constant rate. Okay. Um, 2015... We have FRB 150418. On April 18th, 2015, Aww. 
FRB 1504-18 was detected by the Parkes Observatory, and within hours, several telescopes, including the Australia Telescope Compact Array, caught an apparent radio afterglow of the flash, which took six days to fade. <gasps> the Subaru, Subaru Telescope in Hawaii was used to find what was thought to be the host galaxy and determine its redshift and, implied, and the implied distance to the burst. In physics, redshift is a phenomenon where electromagnetic radiation from an object undergoes an increase in wavelength. Mm. So whether or not the radiation is visible, redshift just means an increase in wavelength um, equivalent to a decrease in wave frequency and energy. So basically, the galaxy was sending off fireworks for your 20th birthday. Pretty much, yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. However, the association of the burst with the afterglow was soon disputed, and by April 2016, mm -hmm. it was established that the afterglow originates from an active galactic nucleus that is powered by a supermassive black hole with dual jets blasting outward from the black hole. This thing's gone full Iron Man. <laughs> it was also noted that what was thought to be an afterglow did not fade away as would be expected, meaning that it is unlikely to be associated with the actual fast radio burst. Mm. So the afterglow might just not even be a thing okay. that's associated with these. It just happened. Jeez. All right. Uh, 2017, getting closer. The upgraded Malonglo Observatory Synthesis Telescope near Canberra, Australia, reported finding three more FRBs. Yeah. According to Anastasia Fialkov and Abraham Loeb, FRBs could be occurring as often as once per second. Earlier research could not identify the occurrence of FRBs to this degree. In 2018, we have FRB 180814. On January 9th, 2019, uh, astronomers announced they the discovery of a second repeating FRB source named FRB 180814 by Chime. Six bursts were detected between August and October, consistent with the with originating from a single position on the sky. The detection was made during Chime's pre-commissioning phase, during which it operated intermittently suggesting a substantial population of repeating FRBs and that the new telescope would make more detections. Hmm. Some news media reporting of the discovery speculated that the repeating FRB could be evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence, a possibility explored in relation to previous FRBs by some scientists. Fine by me. Yeah. Um, and I will get to that in a little bit. Too. Great. So... We have FRB 180916 is a repeating FRB discovered by Chime as well that later studies found to have originated from a medium-sized spiral galaxy about 500 million light years away, the closest FRB discovered to date. It is also the first FRB observed to have a regular periodicity. Um, so, like, it will burst or clustered into a period of about four days, okay. followed by a dormant period of 12 days, 12 days, for a total cycle length of 16 and a half days. Yeah. And it's very regular about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, the fact that you can have a cycle and it's not just a one-time occurring thing, like that that's a whole definition of it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's see. 2019. FRB 180924 is the first non-repeating FRB to be traced to its source. The source is a galaxy 3.6 billion light years away. The galaxy is nearly as large as the Milky Way mm -hmm. and about 1,000 times larger than the source of FRB 121102. While the latter is an active site of star formation and a likely place for magnetars, 
the source of FRB 180924 is an older and less active galaxy. Mm. So because the source was non-repeating, the astronomers had to scan large areas with the 36 telescopes of ASCAP. Once a signal was found, they used the very large telescope, the Gemini Observatory in Chile, and the WM Keck Observatory in Hawaii to identify its host galaxy and determine its distance. Knowing the distance and source galaxy properties enables a study of the composition of the intergalactic medium. So they can learn like how exactly this was happening and what was making it up. Huh. Um, let's see. So on June 28th, 2019, Russian astronomers reported the discovery of nine FRB events. Uh, which include FRB 1511.25, the third repeating one ever detected, mm. from the direction of the M31, which is Andromeda Galaxy. I know that one! And M33, which is Triangulum Galaxy. Those galaxies, they found them in the direction of those galaxies. Um, on July 2nd, 2019, astronomers reported that FRB 1905.23, a non-repeating FRB, has been discovered and notably localized to a few arc second region containing a single massive galaxy nearly 8 billion light years away from earth mm. and then i have one more uh finding okay before i get to my conclusions okay so finally from 2020 we have on april 28th 2020 Astronomers at the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment, also known as CHIME, <laughs> okay. reported the detection of a bright radio burst from the direction of the galactic magnetar about 30,000 light years away in the Volpecula constellation. So this is in a constellation. Oh. Researchers were able to establish the connection between this burst and FRBs at extragalactic distances. The burst was then referred to as FRB 20. 0428. Okay. The detection is notable as the team claimed that it's the first ever FRB detected inside the Milky Way and the first ever to be linked to a known source. <gasps> Dude, that's big. Yeah. Why don't we hear about that? I didn't hear about that on the news. I didn't either. Damn. This is important stuff. This is super important stuff. Um Yeah. I mean, like, that is all of the reports of detections that have been that have happened so far sure um and as of 2020 there is no generally accepted explanation <laughs> for fast radio bursts from outer space right the sources are thought to be a few hundred kilometers or less in size as the bursts only last for a few milliseconds yeah. and if the bursts come from cosmological distances their sources must be extremely powerful uh -huh. generating as much energy in a millisecond burst as the sun does in 80 years <gasps> oh my gosh yeah so this is these things are pretty crazy yeah because they come from insanely powerful sources that we cannot even fathom yeah outside of our known galaxy yeah um, I have a bunch of different possibilities of things it could be. Okay. Um, I just have a list here. So it could be especially energetic supernova. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of those were hypothesized as so like when a star explodes, basically. Okay. 
Um, Even the ones that are close in the constellation range, or do you think it's do you think it's different maybe for every? I think it could be different for everything. Okay, um, sure. It all depends on like the periodicity and like yeah. when it is bursting and stuff like that. Sure. It's really hard to say. That's when nobody really knows. Yeah. Uh, it could be merging black holes. Because oh, we also have no idea how black holes work. Yeah. Um, merging neutron stars. Okay. Gamma ray bursts, which is super dangerous. Yes. Thankfully, our Earth uh, protects us from gamma rays from space because they're constantly hitting the Earth. Ah. Uh, and we don't have to worry about it. Also wear sunscreen. Thanks. Thanks, ozone. <laughs> um, there's a thing known as a blitzar, which I could not find a ton of information about. Okay. Obviously not very well known. Yeah. Uh, could be dark matter induced collapse of pulsars. Dark matter, which technically is not matter and therefore doesn't exist, oh. but it's measurable. Fine. Dark matter is a whole other crazy thing. Oh, God. It is a measurable quantity of mass that has no mass. It's measurable, but it doesn't technically exist. Dark matter is crazy. This is why science is the spookiest and con most, I was going to say confusingest thing. It is confusingest. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. A couple more. Uh, Axion mini clusters. Not 100% sure. Don't think anybody really knows what that is. Fine. Cosmic strings that produce these bursts as they interacted with the plasma that permeated the early universe. Um, black hole explosions. Black holes can explode? Sure. Great. <laughs> Strong magnetic field near a supermassive black hole could destabilize the current sheets within a pulsar's magnetosphere, releasing trapped energy to power the FRBs. Okay. Um, could also be stellar flares. So, like, we have solar flares. Yeah. But these are just flares from other suns. Oh, sure. Um, or hyper flares of magnetars. So... Finally, some have speculated that these signals might be artificial in origin, not natural. Really? That they may be signs of extraterrestrial intelligence. Along those lines, when the first pulsar was discovered, it was thought that the fast, regular pulses could possibly originate from a distant civilization, and the source nicknamed it LGM-1 for Little Green Men. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So. I love how someone. Okay, this is what I'm imagining. I'm imagining uh, people sitting at a table, people who are smarter and get paid much more than you and I ever will. Sure. And they're all sitting at a table and they're all trying to like hypothesize what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like everybody says all of these really great things that you just listed off. Mm -hmm. And then there's that one person who was like, you know what? nah aliens. it's aliens yeah. and i applaud you yeah. i applaud you immensely truly you were brave when no one else wanted to be definitely yes i just this this subject i know i just threw so many words at everyone listening if you have even made it this far <laughs> and i know it could be a little dry but like legitimately thinking about what this is at its base is that signals are coming to our earth from outer space 
that we cannot trace the origin of. Yeah. And that's terrifying. That is. Yeah, that I. That mixes two things that make me incredibly uncomfortable together. Mm-hmm. Space and the unknown. Yep. And the fact that using uh, the fact that you can use extraterrestrial uh, like messages or even just mm-hmm. uh, proof of existence, I guess, yeah. as an option because it's that unknown right. is fantastic. Well, yeah, because I mean like when you're transferring i don't know quote unquote messages yeah just frequencies even if you're trying to send messages Mm. eight billion light years the message is not going to make it oh yeah you know so like it might just be coming through as radio frequency sure because it's just waves yeah absolutely and that's all we can interpret it as yeah so basically my conclusion is uh that space is scary space is super scary but people are on it hell yeah so it's something to be excited and a little scared of yes but mostly excited because space is really cool hell yeah and i think it's fascinating that in the 21st century we have technology that can pick up milliseconds worth of data mm-hmm. and be able to say this is different what is this and infer information about where it came from yeah like what plasma medium it traveled through on the way like that's just so crazy it's absolutely crazy yeah stuff that we will probably never see no in human lifetime yeah so uh this should be on the front of newspapers yeah i feel like more people need to know about frbs yeah i think more people should care about it too because this is i mean honestly if you wouldn't have told me this or if i would have never listened to scishow mm-hmm. i would never learn about this yeah i would say i would see an article that says the word space and i'd be like well that scares me bye yeah and i wouldn't i wouldn't care about it that's why i told it today because it's scary and whoa cool. it's fascinating hmm. that's all i got dude so what do you think it is? I don't know. Because they used a lot of scientific explanations when they were discovered, when yeah. they were hypothesizing. Yes. Which I think is fair because we don't know anything about any of those processes. Yes. Like what it's like when two black holes collide. That's how are we supposed to know that. Right. So it's Our just a brains. hypothesis. Yes. So legitimately it could be whatever you want until there's a better explanation yeah so the beautiful thing about hypotheses yeah yeah i really like excuse me uh the word magtar so that's magnetar magnetar wow mm-hmm. i butcher it reptar, i like yes actually. i was mixing like magmar and reptar together yeah. just magmar yeah i think that's fascinating mm-hmm. and regardless of what it is I hope it keeps happening because I would like to learn more about it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty exciting. Thanks, smart people. Aw. Aw. So in conclusion, what you're saying is is that Matthew McConaughey is in space currently. Right. And he's 
in a different galaxy and he's sending us his mixtape. And that is what the FRBs are. Through the refrigerator. Yes. Yes. That's what you said. Yep. Okay, great. That's, I mean, that's the plot of uh, that one movie. Avatar. Oh, great. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Avatar by Peter Jackson. Right. Wait, who directed Interstellar again? Uh, let's just go with Peter Jackson. Great. <laughs> the the mastermind behind the Percy Jackson um franchise. I think he also did the Dragon Ball Z anime movies as well. I think so too. This is just blasphemy to anyone who likes 100%. movies or pop culture. Anything. Yep. I've insulted many people in the span of forty five seconds. Plenty. So I do best, baby. Uh, Interstellar is a really good movie, though. Yeah. Probably probably do that. Great. Great. Uh, really quick, yeah. before we move into recommendation station. I thank you for the kisses. Oh, sorry. <sighs> Come on. You can't do that. It's because I'm so sweaty. and He likes my fingers. So, per our formal request by our avid fans in Spain, next week... For our twentieth episode, wow! I am planning on doing some Spanish research and coming back at you with whatever that ends up being. <laughs> so that's the reason why I didn't do it this week. I already had something yes. pretty much done. So next week for our special twentieth episode, I will be investigating Spanish somethings. I love it. Uh, me too. Okay. Um. This is also a shout out. If you live in a place, heck, you know what? If you live if you live in Milton or if you live in Australia. If you live in a place. If you live in a place and you want us to try and find something spooky of in that place, I I'll will, do it. I will darndest. I sure will. You yeah. just just scream at me. Scream at me your location. You know what? Have you have you traveled to a place? Is there a place you want to travel to? We'll research it. Let's go. Let us know. Uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions, please let us know. It's exactly. always fun to be able to interact with our listeners in that way. So, Exactly. So thanks so much. Um, so recommendations yes. time. Yes. I have a big one. <gasps> For any of our local listeners in Wisconsin, southern Wisconsin, specifically more Madison. If you live in Madison, um, Wisconsin. <laughs> and you like board games. Go to Noble Night Games. Ugh. This is not a sponsor by them. I wish. We are just so straight up impressed with their business. Um, Noble Night Games is amazing. We drove out there the other day, pulled up front. They have two big uh, columns out front, and it looks like you're going into like medieval Europe. It's so not cool. the bubonic plague part, though. No, 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 no. Like the fun part. Yeah, like Renaissance. Yes. So we walked inside, and there were games <gasps> from floor to ceiling on every wall. And it was so incredible. Incredibly aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Everything was categorized. Everything was beautiful. I was transported to a new world. It was so good. And it was so freaking cool. Yes. So... If you're interested in any board games, any kind of games at all, definitely check them out. Yeah. Um, everyone there is super nice, and they're willing to help you with whatever you need. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a really fun time. 
So good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, I have a recommendation that really isn't a recommendation because it was recommended to me, and so many people have probably already seen this. Is it Interstellar? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it is not Interstellar. If you have not yet, I cannot recommend enough. Uh, okay, well, first of all, if your humor is um, bad, I think you're going to like this. Mm-hmm. I cannot recommend enough uh, the Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams <laughs> cult classic that is Eurovision the story of fire saga I had thought about doing this I cannot tell you enough like how much I love that movie yeah you give me a perfect setting of Iceland you give mm-hmm. me Dan Stevens as a uh, as an oppressed um, gay man gay Russian yeah who sings about being a lion lover really good and the Spjorg note I just the Spjorg note was so incredible. This it was morning, very moving. it was ridiculous. I went for a walk this morning, and I my headphones are dead, so I just like was that person who cranked my phone while I was walking through a neighborhood. Of course you were. And I was listening to the soundtrack, and I got teary eyed and goosies as I was walking because the music is great. Because of Spjorg note. Because of Spjorg note. Yeah. And my, I believe her name is their name is my Marianne. Mm-hmm. Marianne. 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 Uh, that is the Icelandic singer whom Rachel McAdams uh, sings for. Acts for. Acts for. There we go. Yeah. Just do it. It's funny. It's great. If you like Will Ferrell at all. If you like Iceland. If you like Europa. Mm-hmm. If you like music. If you like music. Also, if you have a Netflix subscription. Sorry to. That helps. Yeah. That would help. Or you know what? Just down. Listen to the soundtrack. It's great. It's on Spotify. It's so good. And Along yeah, with yeah, our podcast. Dong. Oh. <laughs> Along with our podcast, which can be found there as well. Great. Great. Well, stage is being nibbly. Okay. Well, <laughs> then let's finish up. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Sure can. Anything Spooky Goes podcast. Love it. On Facebook. That's where we post pictures from the episodes. Sure do. Any updates that we have. Um, so follow us on there. Please. You can find us on Spotify. Yep. Apple, Apple Podcasts. Yep. Google Podcasts. Sure can. Um, Stitcher, Anchor, Anchor. I probably should say that one first. I mean, it's fine. Um, Anchor, um, even some other ones that we don't understand. Yep. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. And share us with your friends if you think they'd be interested. Yes. Uh, we love being able to expand and keep growing as a podcast, and it's super fun to be able to branch out to new places. So exactly. So thanks so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. And stay spooky. Okay. <laughs> 19 episodes in baby still no idea how to end it yeah bye, bye.